Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I'm here with Helen and Nikki, who are um, academics here at the meeting today. Helen, do you want to introduce yourself? Yep, so my name is Dr. Helen Fisher. I'm a reader in developmental psychopathology at King's College London. Great, Nikki. Hi, I'm Nikki Stanley. I'm Professor of Social Work at the University of Central Lancashire. Great, thank you. So we've just had a kind of hour-long uh, group session where we've been reflecting on some of the opportunities with this network. What did you get from that session? What's what's your kind of? You were talking avidly when I came came up to you. So were you discussing this? Tell us tell us your thoughts. Well, one one of the most interesting comments I think on our table was a point raised by a colleague um, who made the point that in the past it was rather controversial to link the concepts of violence and mental health. And I made the point, because I've had a very long career and I can remember this, that actually in the past people have worked quite hard to unlink those two concepts and to make the point that, you know, just because you're someone with a mental health difficulty or history doesn't mean that your behaviour is going to be violent or abusive. So here we are with a network which is actually trying to bring those concepts back together. And I think we were agreeing that the relationship between those two ideas could take many forms. It could be complex, but it was very important to be able to explore that. And that this network um, offered an opportunity to do that and in a way legitimated that exploration. I've always been really fascinated by that point that anti-stigma programs and campaigns try and separate out violence and mental illness and whenever I've blogged about research that links violence and mental illness and shared it with Time to Change and other groups um, I get no response at all Um, and you know my, my view is that if you if you, if you have a kind of narrative that separates the two, then you're stigmatising people who are perpetrators of violence. Um, that's massively stigmatising by just saying this doesn't exist, this link. But it's obviously very complex, isn't it? And, I mean, what do you think? Do you think the public are ready for a more nuanced um, discussion around that relationship? I would hope so. I mean, we also talked at this table about, you know, the the change, the new context for discussing violence and abuse and the fact that, you know, we're now in a climate where people are, are ready to speak out, ready to talk about their difficulties. And I think also in um, mental health um, uh, the experience of mental health problems and in mental health services, um, users are much more ready to talk about their experiences publicly and to share those experiences. So I think I think that makes a big difference, really. That um, stigma is still there, but all the talking that has gone on and hopefully will continue to do so has whittled that away um, and now does now mean that you can hopefully talk about violence and abuse and mental health problems without people jumping to conclusions and feeling that you know we should necessarily be frightened of anyone with a mental illness. Yeah, absolutely. And I think even if if we're not entirely sure if the public are ready for these more nuanced messages, I think it's a real opportunity of the network as well as a challenge that actually it's 
um, really incumbent on us to really try and get those messages out there. So I'm yeah. not going to say that's easy, um, and people may not be entirely ready, and they may initially jump to the conclusion of what we, when we talk about violence, mental health, we're talking about people with mental health problems, obviously perpetrating violence, which we're not. We're interested in both spheres. So people having experienced violence, going on to develop mental health problems, as well as potentially perpetrating. I think it's really important that we're looking at the broad spectrum, and I think it's really important for us, and it's a challenge that we do need to get those different messages out there, and some of that might be by actually raising these issues in the public and debating about them. So through things like a podcast like this or other things, actually bringing those issues up and not pretending they don't exist, as you say, not avoiding them, not talking about them at all, is not going to help us. We need to actually raise those debates and and get people to think about them. So for me, there's a central question, which is, is there a relationship between violence and mental illness? If I blog about Sina Fazel's research, which shows... Um, a far higher um, likelihood of committing violence mm-hmm. if you have a mental illness, all sorts of different mental illnesses, then I get lots of people on Twitter saying that's not true. There is no relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, and there clearly is from really well-conducted research. So how do you think we start having those conversations in such a way that doesn't do damage to the great anti-stigma work that's happened over the last 10 years or so? I don't know that I know, actually, but I think we do need to have them. And I think one thing that I think the public is ready for is actually debate. And I think we, we need to discuss that. We need to bring people from different spheres in and talk about that. And I think the important thing is that we know that people who don't have a mental health problem also commit violence. It's not an exclusive purvey of people with those problems. Yes, you might be more likely to in certain circumstances to do that, but you're still more likely probably to be murdered by your partner who may not have a mental health problem than you are by a stranger who has a mental health problem. We just hear about that more. So I think one thing is opening up the debate, bringing different people in and, and really discussing that in a more transparent and open way. Um, I think the other aspect, and that's part of this network as well, is to also get people to start thinking about how can we fund and develop um, research that will actually allow us to answer some of those questions. Maybe part of the reason is that actually the evidence that's there is not good enough or it's not or or maybe it's just not disseminated enough maybe the research is there and we need to go away and, and look for it but actually then we need to bring it together and, and disseminate that so people understand that body of work better I think that's really important um, I think also that leads me to another um, important aspect of what we were discussing today which is about the real importance of um, what people often call co-production so really bringing people who have lived experience of violence and mental health be it uh, as a victim or perpetrator or often both, um, to the table, and that's part of this network, to really think about what are the priorities for what we should be doing in research, how and how are we going to take that forward, and really coming on a journey with academics and, and people from different sectors and disciplines to really start answering these questions. So we, I think what we discussed today was that how important that is, but actually that that's a huge challenge. And it's not as straightforward as, right, let's just get a few people who've had that experience in the room and off we go, that actually we need to think very carefully about how, which people we want to to bring in the room, making sure we represent people from lots of different um, populations of sections of society. um, And that actually, do we, if we're going to look at people who've been victims, but also people who've been perpetrators, can we bring them in the room at the same time? Should we do that? What's the issues with that? Um, what's the issue with people being very involved in, um, with particular material, particularly people who have described their experiences? Is that um, emotionally draining for them? Is that really difficult and triggering? How do we make it a sensitive process, but also avoid 
um, almost not uh, re-victimising them necessarily, but also putting them back in a position of vulnerability. If we are too overprotective in the process and too oversensitive, maybe we're actually saying these people aren't strong enough to to deal with some of this. So I think it's a real real challenge and something we're going to have to grapple with quite early on in the network as to how we bring different people together to to produce this really important knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess the other challenge is how you work together in such a kind of interdisciplinary network where you've got people from very broad, you know, the language that's spoken in these different sectors is quite different. Um, You know, talk about outcomes in criminal justice versus domestic abuse versus mental health. Do you talk about mental health difficulties or mental illness or mental disorder? Um, Do you talk about domestic violence or violence against women or interpersonal violence or domestic abuse? So the the language itself is controversial and certain positions or understandings are embedded within it. Um, And that's presumably one of the things we're going to be arguing about over over the next few years. So you're going to take four years to come up with a a jargon-free list, a glossary of terms? (laughs) Hopefully not. And I mean, one of the sort of opportunities for this network to be really constructive is the fact of having people who develop and deliver services um, really embedded in the network and participating in days like this right from the outset. So I think the network is not going to have enormous problems with dissemination and translation of research into practice because the key people are all here right from the beginning. 